I'm jealous of the guys who can just take off their shirt anywhere and never even think about it. Just never even think about it. I've always been a guy when I take it off, I think about it. Ooh, how am I looking today? How's that? How's that going to be? Uh, and doing that work has been profound. And, you know, uh, I've done that work in men's groups. I've gotten naked in front of other men. That's a big part of some lineages of men's work now is to learn to just like, here's my body. Here's what I love about it. Here's what I don't love about it. And as, as you go through and suddenly you see the guy with the six pack abs and he's still naming shit he doesn't love about his body. There's actually something really liberating about that. to another episode with my lovely business partner, Jason Lang. Thank you so much for being here. I am excited about this episode. This has been a long time coming, and this has been a topic that is up in our community uh, pretty regularly and something that we see a lot in our men. So yeah, today we're talking about body image and men and shame and opportunity. and. Um, yeah, we're trying out a, a little bit of a new format. We've done this once, but we're going to get some voices of our clients on here to, um, yeah, bring a little bit more more perspective. So we're gonna we're gonna do some discussion, and then you're gonna hear from our our men. So yeah, we we have some some questions prepared, um, and I think that before we sort of jump into those, I'm just curious, you know, in terms of of your perception of body Im- men and body image, Jason, have you seen any shifts over like the last couple of decades, that kind of thing? You know, what have you noticed just as a man walking around being a man in the world? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, just at a cultural level, obviously the onslaught of social media and the Instagramification of everything has impacted us all. And there's been a lot of research, particularly on um, women and young young girls and body image, and like it's it's dark stuff. It's it, it's bad, uh, but I think it's impacting us men too, and that's part of what kind of inspired this um, conversation here. And that uh, you can't really get into men's work without coming across this at some point, because if nothing else, being in a room full of other men. <laughs> can often trigger a lot of these things. Oh, my body looks like this. Their body looks like that. That not that how all women want men's bodies to look? What if mine doesn't look like that? That's all stuff um, that I see impacting men and has absolutely impacted me as well. Yeah, I did a little bit of research before this. And one of the statistics that jumped out at me was that male body image dissatisfaction has tripled in the last 25 years, from 15% of the population to 45%. 45% is almost half. And there's a, I know this isn't the be all end all of everything, but I have noticed watching films, watching movies, TV movies from a couple of decades ago to now that there's a drastic difference between the way that male bodies are portrayed. And one simple example is James Bond. I watched an old James Bond film with what's his name? The Scottish guy, Sean Connery, Sean Connery. And he was a normal looking dude. And there was yeah. a scene by a pool and he had his shirt off and he didn't have six pack abs. He had a normal body, a normal male body. And then I watched Russell Crowe in, I don't know, one of the more recent ones and he is jacked. And I think that's kind of indicative of the drastic shift in our culture that has happened for both, both sexes, I would argue, and non-binary folks included in there. Everybody's got body shame. It feels like, so there's a lot of, there is a difference. I think that's what I, I, 
I have noticed is even in my lifetime, and I'm not that old, it does feel like there's a difference. And to your point, there's a lot more visibility. So that was something that came out in the research that I was reading as well. This is a quote from one of the studies. It said, men are progressively becoming more visible in popular culture, especially through exceedingly lean and muscular depictions and concurrently severe body image related disorders, such as anorexia nervosa among men are on the rise. And I think anorexia is a good example of, I know some of our men have struggled with anorexia and or bulimia. And as of now, as of 2022, psychologists estimate that one in 10 people with anorexia identify as men. So there's a lot or boys, boys or men, right? Mm -hmm. Male body people. And I think that would surprise a lot of folks that it, it feels like when we're talking about body image, we're usually talking about girls and women, but that's part of why we're doing this episode because it feels like it's a major part of the male experience and one that we sort of overlook sometimes. So yeah, so let's uh, let's start with middle school, <laughs> uh, where so many of our traumas begin. I'm just kidding; they begin much earlier than that. But one of our first questions is, you know, were you ever teased or bullied about your weight or appearance? So we're including more than just weight in this whole conversation, but that had, seems to be it's a it's just a big deal in our culture. It feels like weight is just a big fucking deal in our culture. So it's a pretty obvious one. Were you, were you, Jason, ever teased or bullied about your weight or appearance? And how did that impact you? Yeah, so um, I wasn't. Um, I, I just, for whatever reason, got lucky in the antibodies of how my particular thing shows up. The bullying was never really a, a thing for me. I think in some ways I was too invisible to even be bullied. Uh, and I I got tall fast. So I was I was six foot by the end, I think junior high. And that, that kind of gave me a little bit of a buffer because people just didn't, you know, come near me, um, in some sense. Um, but I, I will say, uh, that's when I can first remember becoming aware of it. Cause that tends to be a pretty big, you know, I have no idea what the status is these days, but developmentally, that was a big deal. Like junior high was the first time we had gym class where you had to change for gym class. And that's like, Hey, I'm going to take off part of my clothes in front of other boys. Like it was not something that had been part of. And I remember being concerned about my belly as far back as then. So whatever age that is, I, I, I can't always remember, but like, you know, seventh grade by then it was, it was online that like, Oh, I have this thing. Other guys don't. And I want to have that thing, but I don't, I don't have that flat stomach. Yeah, it's interesting. I actually remember a moment in sixth grade. I think it was sixth grade. Yeah, sixth grade where I sort of suddenly became aware of my appearance in a much more, I don't know, direct fashion. And you know how at the end of the day, in some classrooms, you would flip the chairs over and put them on the desks to like help clean up the classroom. I have this vivid memory of wearing leggings and some shirt and I don't know, I don't know. It was like the nineties. I was wearing some outfit and I remember having a moment of self-consciousness or self-awareness around my appearance in some way. And I don't think it was related to body image, but it was related to appearance. And I remember vividly putting a chair away and thinking, I will never go back to the way that it was. This is a binary switch. Now, now I'm aware of this and I will never go back to the way that it was which is true. I never did. And he, you know, adults don't, but I think that's, that's an interesting moment of when do we become aware of our appearance and what do we think about our appearance? And I do think that there's, um, such, a, a deluge of social media now to, to younger and younger kids that I think this is only something that's going to grow. Whereas before it was just, the people in your tribe or the people in your village or the people in your extended family, that, that's who you were seeing. You weren't really seeing copious portrayals of other people for a really long time in human history. That's very new. So I think a lot of these are, um, we are being co- compared to uh, idealized images way more of the time than we used to be. 
So we will, I think we'll hear a lot more about that, that first one of being bullied or teased and how that affected people later. Um, but the next one, next question is in what ways has your weight prevented you from going for what you want? And we're just going to add weight or appearance. Yeah. So that, that one for me, it's direct, um, correlation to experiences of shame and self and how that tends to impact how I show up in the world in that, um, you know, there was like a yo-yo for me. I, I've been up in weight. I've been down in weight. It's gone back and forth at different times. I can definitely look back at my life and where I was in a, a place where I was feeling more grounded and, and happy about my body. I was taking more action. So those were the times I was really um, putting myself out there with women, taking chances, taking just being more seen and being more exposed. And when I wasn't, for me, that was part of what kind of fed into the like, um, not even putting myself out there and the like, just grief and depression that would come with that which then would feed my porn addiction, which would keep me at home, which would like just, it would all cycle into the same kind of thing in that uh, there was just like a lot less literally being out in the world for me when I, when I was in my bigger phases and it was just painful. Like it'd be painful to connect to my body, painful to see pictures of myself. Um, still, I can look back at photos and be like, oh man, I just, I can't look like it's really hard to to take that in. And um, in general, when I'm not in a happy place with my body, I'm more reserved. Like I literally, I just don't take physically, I may take up more space, but like, I don't take up as much space. I make myself smaller. Uh, don't try to be seen. Um, don't put myself out there into new engagements. So there was, you know, a good stretch in, um, I would say my mid twenties, that that really kind of prevented me from even trying with women. Cause I just, and it's not that I don't think I could have even have found a woman who would have liked me. It was like, I didn't like myself so much in that state. I just couldn't, I, I, I couldn't get out there. So it was just like, um, being stuck in a very frustrating experience for anyone who's ever been there because it's not something you can change right away. Right. So that's like the, the unique thing about that is like, you know, sometimes be like, okay, this is going to change. I'm going to fire up. And it's like, and it's going to take months, even if I start right now and do it all perfectly, it doesn't happen right away. And sometimes the weight of that would then kind of crush me even more and just cycle me back down into that collapse. You know, this isn't the same thing, but it reminds me of credit card debt. There's a way that credit card debt has, uh, in in my adult life, not now anymore, but was felt debilitating and felt like a weight and felt like it can get better, but it's going to take a long time. <clears throat> and sometimes the path isn't clear and it, it's it's not the same thing, but I, I feel that quality of Oh God, you know, like for this to get better, it's going to take time. It's going to take effort. It feels daunting. It feels daunting. It can feel insurmountable depending. Um, I did want to also just <clears throat> include this in the conversation, which is, I think <clears throat> most of us in the world are managing our anxiety in one way or another. Most of us in the world spend a pretty significant amount of our time managing our anxiety. And some folks use food, some folks use television, some folks use drugs, some folks use, you know, fill in the blank, gambling, whatever it is. And, but there's a, there's a quality of, you know, weight or appearance that is, it's visible, right? You can see it. So when you walk into a store or you're out in the world, there's this visibility, whereas you can't visibly see the gambling addict. You can't visibly see the porn addict or someone that's using porn to regulate, for example, it's not visible. So I think there's an extra and there's, and there's shame that goes along with that. We live in a fat shaming culture. We live in a culture that shames people for their bodies. If they're not perfect, that's the truth. That's where we live. And so I, <clears throat> I have a lot of compassion for that experience because it feels like unfair in some way that this happens to be visible 
right? Versus other, other things, other difficulties or challenges. And when I was working with uh, survivors of sexual abuse on a regular basis, I was reading a lot of studies and there were multiple studies that showed that a number of folks with that background, a number of survivors of sexual abuse become overweight and they, they keep weight on unconsciously or subconsciously because they feel it keeps them safer. And that is a whole other level because they might consciously be dieting, trying to lose weight, exercising, doing whatever they can, but they, but they need to get the deeper help because if there's a a deep part of them, that's like, this is protecting us. This is important. Then they're not going to lose that weight. And, and so I'm just curious, you know, how much do you think that, that in your case, for example, that the weight was, I mean, what was it for you? Do you feel like it was, it was obviously not something that you intended, but do you feel like it was something that in some way was a part of you was protecting yourself from putting yourself out there? What do you think about that? Absolutely. I, I, I think all of the above in that um, the, there is a protective mechanism in it that prevents me from having to get rejected, had to, would prevent me from getting rejected or having to put myself out there. It's like a way to just kind of stay stuck. And I'd, I've had a similar experience to to debt in general. And I think they are very correlated in the times I was the heaviest in my life were the times where I had the most debt, like, cause there's that like freeze thing in that, um, you know, for me, it was definitely a way to like self-regulate just so clear, like to self-regulate the the fear of not knowing what to do or how to move my life forward or how to get unstuck. And like, you know, there's like a anxiety for me. There had been an anxiety in that for me. So like food was often just a way to totally shut it down. Just like literally, you know, collapse the, um, the system and take it out. So I definitely think, and I, I do, I still think there's ways that my body holds certain weight as, as a defense. Yeah. Um, and some of it's just genetic, you know, some of it's literally just the way I'm built. And I, I think that's different with all, all people, but that, um, that, that relationship is really, really important about the inside and the outside piece. And the, even like why we're doing it, you know, why do we then want to lose weight or, cause it can become another way to just keep beating yourself up of now I get right. The other side where sometimes people get is super strict, I can only eat this at these times. And if I fuck that up, I'm a bad person. And which then kind of feeds the same shame just in a different way. Um, But yeah, it had a lot to do with me about feeling frozen, feeling stuck and just like buffering myself against not knowing like how to act or how to be or how to move forward um, in the world. I think that's really poignant what you just, what you just said, because I, and I think, Reflecting on this conversation, if you are a man listening to this and you resonate with a lot of what Jason said, I would encourage you to listen to the episode we did on childhood neglect, children of childhood neglect. And you might think that everything was fine, but I would still encourage you to listen to that episode because I, I, that part that you said, Jason, about not knowing how to move my life forward, not knowing how to get unstuck not knowing how to do things. I think there's a correlation. There's a link there between general drive, ability to move forward. Um, got to, I don't know, get up and go is the phrase coming to me, but just that, that feeling of momentum and knowing how to kickstart things in your life. If you weren't provided that by your parents, if it wasn't part of what you learned and if you weren't kind of attuned to it's really hard to, to do it by yourself later in, in life. It's not impossible. And part of the reason we keep harping on things like men's groups and getting into community is because it's a lot easier to do that with other people and to get mentorship and to get, to get some guidance and to be part of a team of a crew of a group that feels where you feel held. Cause that's sort of what's missing a lot of the time in, in neglect is there's not someone tracking you, asking you how you are, seeing how school was, 
really attuning to you. <clears throat> What's going on with your friend group? You know, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Let's talk about feelings. Like there's no <clears throat> guidance. And that can leave someone feeling a little bit stranded, a little bit at sea, a little sort of like, oh, I don't really know how to go anywhere. And it's a lot easier when you when you are in that state of not knowing and and drifting. It's it doesn't feel good. <laughs> it feels bad. And when you feel bad, you reach for things that feel better. And sometimes that's food. So I think there's a there's a there can be a link there. So if you're listening and, and this resonates, I'll also drop that episode in the show notes, but I think that might be a good one to listen to. Yeah. And I can think I've maybe shared this before, but a, a very particular time in my life, maybe almost a decade ago of having been in LA a couple of years, we did not really have much work, was literally totally broke. Uh, not sure I was going to pay rent like the next week and kind of in that frozen panicky state. And I remember I spent <laughs> I think three and a half days, like a Wednesday to Friday, um, watching the entirety of the American office on Netflix and basically just getting $5 little Caesar's pizzas from up the street and just tanking, like literally just tanking my body till it was so exhausted and in, in, in such a, um, carb crash for like days that I just like shut down, even though that was like the most important time <laughs> I needed to be out there, like hustling, figuring out like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? But instead of doing that, that was where like I retreated into this. And that was often what pushed a lot of my, um, food issues. Uh, and then when I was in my roughest and then that would impact my appearance with, which would then, you know, suck out all the energy for like, it just, yeah, it just like becomes a whole self-defeating cycle. Yeah. And I'm curious, you know, I'm sure those listening would also be curious. How did you get out of that? What happened? Because it feels like you're, it feels like you're at a much more stable place in general, in, in your life and your appearance and all of that. How did you get there? Yeah. I, you know, looking back now, um, that was the wor the most recent time that was the worst for me was unsurprisingly when there was a gap in my men's groups. So it was in between, it was kind of just after moving here from uh, Colorado where I'd lived and been in deep in a group in my first couple of years here. I didn't, I, I just didn't prioritize that or create one. Uh, so getting back into that definitely helped. And then um, just, I don't know, just feeling my body enough that I was like, okay, this isn't how I want to live. Like in a weird way, it's getting more present to what is. And then that starts to like move the action of like, I just don't feel good. Yeah. So it's not even about how I look. It's just like, I do not feel vital, energized, alive, able to move through the world and do the things I want. Um, so bringing that back online, then getting support and finding a gym and finding accountabilities. You know, I'm in an exercise group now with men where we just, we're just sharing what we're doing. And there's like a momentum to that, you know, where other people do it and you're tracking things and it's kind of fun, um, has all helped that, but that the, um, yeah, uh, plugging back into a men's group helped. Yeah, I say, I would because say. if nothing else, it just makes me more present. And when you, when I was more present to my body, that's when like. Ah, uh, this is, I like, I can't live like this anymore. I do not want to live like this anymore. And that sensation itself was something I would often numb out with porn or food. Yeah. There's something point that I keep using the word poignant, but there's something that you said that really touched me, which is, you know, I wasn't prioritizing that. I wasn't prioritizing men's groups. I wasn't prioritizing connection. And specifically men's groups. And I think that there is such a cost to loneliness. I think loneliness is pervasive and also subtle in our culture. It's like all over the place, but also many of us are just tolerating it, but it has a huge cost. It has a huge cost. And that feel, the feeling of feeling alone is, is kind of debilitating, right? There's, it's very, it's really, really hard actually which is proven by behavioral science over and over to engage in habit change without accountability or some kind of connection. We, we are relational beings. We were meant to live together. We were meant to live in close proximity 
with many people, not just our nuclear family, but, you know, with people around. And because we don't, there's a lot of loneliness and that feeling of just being more connected. I I have a feeling was part of why you were able to drop into your body, right? When you feel connected and you feel like there are other people who know you and kind of have your back, there's a way your, your system can kind of settle into your body more when you feel alone there's just this desperate quality. It's hard for me to put into words, but it just, you you don't feel the same. And there's a way you're kind of in survival mode. Even if you're, even if your basic needs are met and you're not actually in survival mode, I think loneliness is just a huge factor in everything that we're talking about. And it feels significant that when you got into a men's group and you got some more connection and some more people who knew you, who you knew, who you were seeing regularly, where there was some personal growth and development as part of it, that's when you were able to, to make a shift. So, so speaking of that, you know, the last question is if you've gone through a body transformation, for example, losing a bunch of weight or somehow altering your appearance, what was your relationship to your body image like before? And what is it now? Yeah. Um, like I said, I've kind of, I've been more on the, the roller coaster. So I've gone down, I've gone up, I've gone down, I've gone up, um, probably in, two different occasions of the the various extremes. And um, yeah, like I said, as early as junior high, I can remember feeling shame about my body and not liking the shape of my body. And there's still a little bit of that now. Like I, I can catch myself with that. Um, but I'm actually, and this is going to sound a little weird, I'm far more in a place now of being kind of unconscious about it. <laughs> Meaning like I don't really think about it nearly as much. It's just like, this is just kind of who I am at this point. Um, and so it's gotten a lot more positive and there's a lot, been a lot of practice opportunity for just being more gentle with myself and where now, um, for me, it's, it's way less about like how much I actually weigh or anything, but it's like how connected to my body do I feel in how, um, even though I just said this in a different way, like it's become one of the ultimate it's becoming one of the ultimate grounds for me around just like consciousness. And am I eating now because I'm hungry or am I eating now for another reason? That's it. And oftentimes it's another reason, like literally oftentimes still it's another reason. Um, But I feel much more relaxed in my body. I would say is, is something that's been, big for me. You know, I, I have, I have instances of stuff coming up dealing with being, you know, getting older now and things shifting in my body and how I relate to my body differently. Um, but it's, it's pretty positive now. I I would say I'm much more, you know, and and a lot of that's like having gone a little bit up and down. It's like, and I still got a hot woman. (laughs) So I know it's kind of shallow thing to say it, but it's, it's something we work with a lot of men on. And it's like, Oh, that really, is it's important in as much it impacts it was important as in as much as it impacted my relationship to myself i should say that and this is something i work with a lot of our guys on now that it's like it was my relationship to my body and how i felt in it the fact that i wasn't okay with that that's what made it really unattractive to to others in some sense and now that i'm more relaxed in it my my partner really doesn't care as long as I'm feeling good and energized in my body. That's Mm -hmm. what matters to her. Yeah. I was going to say, I think this is a good point to just drop in some, some truths about my experience of men and male bodies. And I really just keep coming back to, it's all about the consciousness that's in the body. It's all about the consciousness that's in the male body. I can't tell you the number of men that I've related with who had a technically sexy body, but I could feel that they were not emotionally developed. They just weren't developed. Like I, I've met men in their thirties that are basically teenagers. They just, they're not emotionally developed. They're not that attuned. They aren't able to talk about how they're feeling. They're not they're definitely not going to be able to do repair. So maybe I'll hook up with them, right? And, you know, before I was in a relationship, maybe I would hook up with them, but 
I never really looked at them as relationship potential because they just weren't there yet. And, um, there's a lot of sort of like, like, uh, this is just another example. I don't give a fuck whether a guy has hair on his head. I don't care about baldness at all. I can't even tell you how much I don't care about it. It doesn't matter to me. The man, the man in the body matters to me. His level of consciousness and development and awareness is what is actually sexy and attractive and like pulls my attention and where I I want to go. And I think that's one of the, a huge uh, disappointment in our culture is that the presentation of male bodies makes it seem like it's all about the, the physical form and it's really not. And I think that's such a disservice because it's like men are focused on the wrong things. They're focused on appearance things that maybe matter a little bit to some women, but deep down don't matter to most women. And I can tell you as a sex researcher, I'm looking at it. It's not what women are talking about. And, um, another thing I don't give a shit about body hair. I don't care if you have hair on your chest. I don't care if you have hair on your back. I don't care. I mean, manscaping is fine, but really like natural hair is great. And you're actually more likely to transmit STIs if you shave. So, and that's true for women or men, for example, right? We're supposed to have pubic hair. (laughs) It's part of our natural bodies. And, you know, I mean, make your own choices. Your body is your body, your body, your choice. I'm just saying that the things that I think that a lot of men are concerned about or worried about aren't actually that big a deal to developed women. So if you want a developed feminine woman who's in her body and in her pleasure and doing her work, it's pretty likely she's not going to care about those outward appearance things versus can you really show up when I'm feeling feelings? Can you really be here with me? Are you able to breathe deeply? Have you done your work? Because if you haven't done your grief work, you're not going to be able to handle mine. And can you do repair? Do you know what repair is? Are you able to really be with me? And when you have sex with me, are you with me or are you in a porn video? That matters to me way more than whether you have six pack abs. So I just wanted to share a little bit about that perspective because I, I, I just keep coming back to that of, yeah, it's really about the consciousness in the body. And what I've repeatedly seen is that the men who are right with themselves, who have done the work and are doing the work, they get women, man, they get women. It doesn't matter what kind of body shape or what kind of, you know, I mean, of course it matters to an extent. Yes, that's, that's absolutely true. But, but there's a threshold point. And beyond that, it's like, that is what is drawing women in. I mean, there's just a sense of, of power, of power, of inner power. And I'm not talking about big muscles. I'm talking about grounded masculine presence, which is like catnip. Yeah. And I think the, the, a key thing I want to name here is, so it, the correlation, if there is any, or was any for me and like how I was showing up in my weight or my body image was, um, I felt more connected to my core masculine power when I was on in life, meaning I was engaged. I felt in control. I was taking care of myself, um, which when I do those things, I tend to get more fit, right? Like that, that's what tends to happen in that state versus when I was in those more collapsed states, I couldn't access any of that and that's the thing that then made it impossible to, to attract a partner. And that's the thing that, you know, we do work with men on and, you know, you'll, you guys will hear from um, some of the voices in that if you don't do that inner piece, you can shift all the outside, but it doesn't matter because <laughs> like, we're still living as that inner, that we have that inner image of ourselves that oftentimes our body can transform, but then we're still carrying ourselves kind of in that more collapsed often shameful place, whether it's around body weight, body hair, hair on top of our head. Uh, Can't talk about body image with guys without penis, talking just about our relationship to our penis and how big it is. And other guys have bigger ones and mine's not big enough. Like this stuff swirls around in us so profoundly and 
like you said, culture doesn't help. <clears throat> the superheroification of like everything is, I mean, you can read the articles by the, the guys in all the Marvel movies about how like pretty hardcore and brutal it is for them to prep for those movies. We're talking like months of chicken and eggs and under eating and working out seven times a day to be able to get that body to show up on the screen. And that has an impact on all of us versus like, yeah, like you said, I mean, I always think of as, as a guy who has a lot of body hair myself, the classic image of, um, I think it was maybe from Playgirl. I, I can't remember. Um, but Burt Reynolds in the seventies, he's like laying back on like a sheepskin rug and he's just full body hair, kind of softer body. And that was a sexy motherfucker back then. That was like the kind of cultural norm. And then it all kind of moved to the, the, the kind of harder body, less hair, metrosexual energy that's gotten so big over the last years. But the, the key thing is that none of that matters. As long as you feel good about where you're coming from and your relationship to your body and you have energy in your body and you're open and grounded in your body. Um, the rest of it is often just tied up into our own shame and inner critic. And, you know, I've been that guy, I've gone to men's events and I've been the guy to take off my shirt and be like, I wish I looked like everyone else. And then had to let go of that. So I could actually drop into the moment and drop into the practice. And um, I had to do work, you know, with jealousy and envy of that, you know, with other men sometimes of like, I'm jealous of the guys who can just take off their shirt anywhere and never even think about it. Just never even think about it. I've always been a guy when I take it off, I think about it. Ooh, how am I looking today? How's that? How, how's that going to be? Uh, and doing that work has been profound. And, you know, uh, I've done that work in men's groups. I've gotten naked in front of other men. That's a big part of some lineages of men's work now is to learn to just like, Here's my body. Here's what I love about it. Here's what I don't love about it. And as, as you go through and suddenly you see the guy with the six pack abs and he's still naming shit he doesn't love about his body. There's actually something really liberating about that where it's like, ah, okay, this is kind of just part of how we roll as humans and as men. And I can start to relax on that and just focus on being healthy, being grounded, being present and doing that inner work, which will oftentimes, um, would be the word like accelerate the outer work sometimes like it, it's one thing to slave through and be really rigid to lose weight it's another thing to kind of do that deep inner work and realize oh i have way more empowered control here than i thought right i don't have to do this stuff unconsciously i can choose um, things that make me feel good and when i connect to my body and notice that it tends to lead us in the right way longer term and then it just takes that faith and grounding and in community throughout my childhood i was teased constantly by kids uh family and adults about my weight uh, i i felt like i literally had a target on me uh that that treatment taught me that physicality and image mattered the most and that i was certainly deficient I, I I literally took up too much space, so I I did everything I could to shrink and just wanted to be invisible. I also remember becoming very defensive and judgmental, uh, frequently targeting flaws in others. I think the most damning impact, though, was the the hyper critical eye uh, I I turned on myself. I, I had literally been conditioned to look for flaws, and at 44 years of age, I continue to battle with image and self-esteem issues because of that experience. I know that being bullied about my weight made me feel very undeserving, unlovable, and just ugly. And all of that has seriously inhibited my ability to move towards things uh, that I wanted, uh, especially women. I'd also say that my general lack of confidence caused me to settle in just about every corner of my life. And because I lived in a world of limited options, I never really learned to advocate for my true wants uh, and needs. So thank you for asking some hard questions. And I really hope this uh, goes to help the cause. I was teased or bullied about my weight mostly within my family. Um, so I was a very skinny uh, boy, teenager. We would sit at the dinner table on a birthday party, for example. And as soon as I finished eating or my plate was empty, somebody would say, you need to eat more. Here, eat some more so that you grow into a big, strong man. And that was, of course, devastating. Like it 
I felt like I'm lying on the floor and somebody is kicking me, uh, completely helpless, because eating more didn't really help. I was already eating a lot and just didn't gain any weight because my metabolism was so fast. So I never at that time had the feeling that I'm that I'm okay the way I am. I just didn't feel good in my body at all at that time. There was just so much shame uh, around it, mostly from comparison. So I was playing in a soccer team and you would have 15, 16 guys in the locker room changing, getting naked, going into the showers together. And I would, of course, see the other guys' bodies and see that they are already getting muscles and being more masculine than, than I am. And that was, of course, very intimidating. And that caused that thought in me that why would a girl pick me if she could have one of those guys? So I'm basically set up for rejection already. Why even try? Well, before, I basically hated my body. Uh, couldn't see myself in the mirror. Couldn't see myself naked. Hated to go out for clothing shopping because nothing would really fit. Um, constantly had a thought of, uh, why am I not normal? Why am I not like all the others? Um, afterwards, that totally shifted, of course. I, I love my body now. Um, proud of all the hard work that went into it to transform it. Um, totally comfortable to show myself naked, be naked. Um, I'm still wholly critical with my body, though. Um, as soon as I put on a little bit too much weight now, uh, I immediately adjust my workouts and try to counteract right away. When I was a kid, I was very heavy and my parents would always say, you're fat. It wasn't to put me down. It was kind of just like an observation, kind of like you're fat, eat less. And I always felt fat. No one else ever bullied me. Uh, when I grew, when I grew older and eventually did lose weight, then all of a sudden my parents were like, you're too skinny. You need to eat more. So how it impacted me, I never felt like I was enough. No matter what I did, it was just wasn't enough as far as my, my body. To answer question two, yeah, my, my weight with how heavy I was and being a person of color in a predominantly white town, I definitely didn't go for what I wanted because A, my skin color brought my value down and being fat, like especially in high school is what I'm thinking about specifically. It's like appearance is everything and I was not the right appearance. So it wasn't my place to go for what I wanted. And it would almost be like a sense of who am I to try and go for what I want? He's fat. He's fucking ugly. It's kind of just like the energy I got was like, ew, don't come near me. So I wouldn't go for what I wanted at all. I didn't even think about it. Because in my mind, unless I was fit as fuck with a six-pack ab and lighter skinned, that's the only way those people can go for what they want. I can't. Uh, for question three, it's, it's kind of weird because after this transformation, I'm in the best shape of my life. I look at myself in the mirror and I think I look fucking great. Like, absolutely amazing. But then when I think about my appearance in relation to like specifically a woman I find attractive, all of a sudden it's like I'm fat again. And I'm just like, I'm not worthy. I'm not, I don't look good enough for her. I'm too small. I don't have enough muscle. I'm too fat, whatever it may be. It's just not enough. And I just feel completely ugly. I just kind of want to run away. And I feel very insecure about my body. So it's both of those at the same time. I was like bullied in school by my waiter appearance. Um, every now and then people called me fat. I mainly gained weight my sophomore year of high school. And then, uh, yeah, in school I was bullied because of that. And it made it more difficult for me to do the things I need to do in gym class and such like that. Um, as I grew older, I lost the weight. Then I gained it back again. And then I lost it again. So in what ways have my weight prevented me from doing the things I want? I, it made me less confident. I mean, you see people with big muscles and thin, and you're like, I wish I could be like that. I wish I could be nice and thin. But uh, yeah, for a while, I was just overweight, and I tried to overcompensate for it, but I was overweight. 
I eventually got a personal trainer who was also a dietitian, and I worked with him for two years. And I went through a transformation where I got a six pack. I lost weight. I looking good, and I dropped all the way down. For, I went from one ninety one to one fifty one, so I lost forty pounds. And I I felt great, but I hadn't met you and Jason yet, so my inner being was still felt like a fat guy. It was still the same inside. So unfortunately, I wasn't able to apply the knowledge you've given me with a nice skinny man's body with big muscles and a six pack. So unfortunately, I couldn't have it all at once. <laughs> but uh, now I have a personal trainer. Uh, I don't work as hard. I, I'd say I'm decent looking, but maybe not ripped anymore. But with you and Mel, I mean, excuse me, with you and Jason by my side, I feel much more confident. So I feel like I'm more deep now. So I can eventually get my, my physique back if I really tried, but I'm happier with the knowledge you guys have given me. I'd like to share a couple examples of ways I've been teased or bullied about my appearance. And the first would be, I grew my hair, decided to grow my hair out when I was in my 30s. So this would be about 15-ish years ago. And as I started getting to a certain length, my dad would make some offhand remarks like, hey, I know a good barber and and, and stupid stuff like that. And I know it was his discomfort because he's a Navy guy. And so like having a, a male in his life with long hair was was really out of the ordinary for him. And he got over it. Uh, it you know, he realized that the jokes weren't welcome and he just stopped doing it. And he's never made a comment about it since. And the other thing is that... Um, when it got really long, I also wear a beard or have a beard and I would get constant jokes of, Hey, it's Jesus. And this would be coworkers. This would be random people at the grocery store. And it just, it got so old so fast because one, it's just, it's stupid. Like, why would you have to say that to somebody? Like it's, it's not funny. And just because you make that immediate connection to some visual image in your head, like I don't need to know it. But, um, having long hair hasn't really impacted my ability to go for what I want. And um, it could because I've seen some employers still require that men have short hair and no facial hair. And um, I'm in tech, so thankfully I don't have to worry about that. But it just surprises me that in 2022, we're still doing shit like that. And uh, one of the things that's most surprising is I've discovered that my hair is really a part of my identity now. I recently discovered that I'm getting a little bald on top and it freaked me out. And um, I've been monitoring it ever since and realized, like, I just can't not have my hair be long. And so I started, uh, <laughs> yeah, true confession, I started doing uh, Rogaine and all that good stuff to get uh, get ahead of that. And um, the other thing I want to talk about is I also, I like to wear nail polish, you know, on my hands, definitely on my feet. And for a straight guy, this is pretty fringe. I mean, I'm not a in a rock band and I'm playing guitar where it's okay. You know, I'm just a regular average guy out in the streets. And it really seems to trigger people's idea about masculinity. Like, I sometimes get compliments, usually at um, more... Uh, liberal sex positive places and um sometimes just get that you know that glance that eyebrow of like seriously and uh but i was even like publicly shamed for it and uh it was by a group of firefighters i got out of the elevator with them and i was wearing flip-flops and they could see my toes and they all just lost it like it was it was awkward they tried to be like pretend i couldn't notice them trying not to laugh but it was so uncomfortable and um you know i've stopped wearing it on my hands uh, just because I just got tired of it. And, um, you know, I still like to do it on my feet, but haven't done it in a while. But so that's my story. I would say the reason why I do conscious work is because about seven years ago, I was uh, at work and had a lot of downtime. So I was just on my phone and I was on a uh, weight loss app because at the time I was about four years into um, trying to lose weight and I'd lost about 60, 70 pounds at that point. And on the app, they had a message board where you can talk to other users. And someone had asked the question, what's been the hardest part of trying to lose weight so far? And I thought about that question and I thought, you know, was it, was it a diet? No, because I never really went on a diet. 
Uh, was it working out, exercise? No, because just about uh, all the exercise I did was uh, walking and playing basketball. That's about it. You know, I mean, my job was physical at the time, so that helped. But just really walking, mostly walking to play basketball. And uh, I loved playing basketball. So even though I was really, you know, kill myself playing, I, I enjoyed it. So I didn't consider it torture. So, you know, it, it, it wasn't working out. It wasn't diet. So I was kind of struggling to think, well, then what's been the hardest part? And that's when little voice in the back of my head just said, uh, you thought when you lost the weight, you would stop hating yourself. That really, that really struck me. Remember, I had to go to the bathroom and I cried my eyes out for about 10 minutes because of how much it affected me. Because it was obviously something I always felt. And I guess you could say thought about subconsciously, but I had never put it into words till that moment. I never said it out loud, you know, and when I did and fully became conscious of it, that's when I realized that um, the working out of the diet was the easy part. The hard part was going to be doing the conscious work and working on myself mentally and emotionally and not just physically. Phys work physically was the easy part. The mental and emotional stuff is really going to be a hard part. And that's when I started listening to podcasts and reading books and articles and eventually joined your program and other programs of kind of people in same situation as me and just realizing they have work to do and it's ready to do the work. Um, and you've been a really big part of that for me. And I just want to say how much I appreciate that. And I appreciate you. And I appreciate the work you do, not just for me, but just in general, because what you do is about as important as the job as anyone can do on this planet because we all need it. And, uh, you're really great at it, and I, I really appreciate it. I wanted to thank you again. Bye. We, we really, you know, part of what just inspired this was seeing it in our clients. And for me, just to let you guys know, like, I've been that guy. I've been that guy that doesn't look like all the other men. And my life's turning out great. <laughs> so I just like want to give you some hope. And it's like, it's very possible to still create a thriving relationship, have great sex, be loved and um, appreciated by other men. And you don't have to have that perfect kind of Hollywood body to do it. I would echo that. And it, that feels like a good place to transition to our, the voices of our men.